0: You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. What's up, Resonate Church? Hope you are doing well. We are starting a new sermon series, Community, Reflecting the Revolutionary Love of God. So this is some content that I'm so excited for as we think about Really, what does it mean for us to be able to share? Really, what does it mean with this love of God in our lives and in this last year, um, a obviously unique year in this. And as we think about the community that we're experiencing, I I would say globally, this is at an all time low and, full disclosure, when we talked about this idea for a sermon a few months ago, our idea was, hey, by April, we'll be able to have this thing wide open. We'll be able to engage this. And I know that that's not the same everywhere, but we believe that um, this is really a moment for us to be able to press into community in a profound way and to be able to say, hey, this is the vision. Can we remember what the vision is for our lives? So you think about, um, maybe it's been, it feels like a long time since you've had someone over at your house and just been able to say, hey, we can get a group of people and we can share a meal and laugh together. And uh, maybe that there's people like that you just haven't seen because you haven't been out and about and you're like, oh my goodness, you still exist. I I feel like this has happened over and over is it's like you're rediscovering these relationships in this kind of way. And I want us as we do this to have some intentionality behind us, pressing into broadening and deepening our relationships because we desperately need this. Our church is really built upon this. So uh, a part of the vision of Resonate Church is is one, that we are reflecting the missional nature of God, that, that we live on purpose because God has lived on purpose towards us. And he's given us uh, really the way by which we can participate in him or with him as a reflection of his mission towards the world. So that was that's part of why we do what we do. The other significant aspect, if you think about two rails that Resonate runs on, is the fact that God created a group of people to live in community and it reflects really what his image is in us. And and this is the church. And we believe that every human flourishes when we live in the kind of community reflected by God's church. So this is why we want to start churches and build churches, because we believe that every human flourishes within the group of people called the church. And so in this, we want to build this and we want to deepen this and we want to understand this. And I believe that uh, you were called to live in a depth of Uh, transparency, authenticity, of connection with other people that is mind-blowing. And once you experience it, you will never want anything else. So I want to unpack what that looks like because I think that we are all living in a deficit of this and to be able to really figure out what it means for us to live in this in the next few weeks. So I want to start at the very beginning. I want to start with Genesis because in Genesis, we see some key ideas that, that I think are essential for us to understand. It says this in Genesis 1 verse 9, it says, God says, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so that dry ground may appear and that this is what happened. And God called the dry ground land and the waters, the seas, and God saw that it was good. And the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants and the trees with seed bearing fruit and their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. In verse 17, God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So that God created the great sea creatures and everything that lives, that are their scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird that produces, producing each producing offspring, of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. You are starting to see a little bit of a pattern here, right? God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. You have all this creation narrative and God saying, hey, this is good. This is what goodness is. This is this creation reflects my image. And then we get to verse uh, chapter two, verse 18. And God, the Lord said, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. In all this stuff, he's saying, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. This is how it is intended to be. Let me unpack, let me show you, this is not how it is intended to be. It is not good for man to be alone alone. This is the first negative statement uttered in the Bible. This is the first clarity on what is good and what is not good, that God is dividing and saying, hey, this is the intent. This is not the intent. And so as we look at this, this is significant for us because as we see that this is really um, essentially that being alone is not God's intent, that isolation is not God's intent, that when we begin to think about what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, what is the intent, what is, what is really God's idea for how things should flourish, one of the first and core ideas is connectedness. Even this whole idea that we would begin to take and understand heaven and hell Right? The idea of what is intended and what is not intended. When we think about heaven and hell, oftentimes we think about the fulfillment of our desires. So man, this was heaven, right? And it had all these things that all these desires that get met from us, or man, that was hell, right? And there was uncomfortable, all these things. But when we look at the Bible, what we begin to see is that heaven is a place of ultimately the reconciliation of relationship. that there's a heaven and hell. This is relationship that uh, in heaven is the relationship that is ultimately connected fully. We think about hell, this is the isolation from God. What is hell? It is the absence of God, is the absence of relationship. And so when you begin to take and play out what are the effects of heaven? What are the effects of hell? What are the implications of heaven? What are the implications of hell? What we begin to see is that it's not necessarily our desires being met that our connection to heaven or the lack of our desires being met that looks like hell. So we've misunderstood this in many ways. It is the amount of connection that we might have that would be the typical pattern of heaven. And it would be this disconnection or isolation that would be in the implication of hell or the connection with hell. So in in that, when we think about heaven on earth or hell on earth or what we get to experience, the the idea is that as we begin to experience a taste of heaven, that is this context of relational connectedness. And when we experience a bit of hell, that is loneliness. This is this isolation. This is this idea of disconnection from people. And so as we think about this life in the pandemic, it's been difficult, right? And part of the difficulty has been the fact that we have had um, r- really, an experience something that looks more like hell than heaven, that isolation. And loneliness is how we suffer at a soul level, that isolation or the lack of community violates who we are created to be at the core of our identity. This is a violation of the imago Dei or the image of God. When we have disconnection, when we have isolation, when we have loneliness, when we are alone, this is not just an emotion. This is something that is violating the core of how we're created to be from our God. So what isn't good? This is isolation. Now, when we think about what isolation means, I want us to press further because we can kind of have this idea if we have proximity to people, if we have roommates, if we have family, um, if we are living with people that we're not isolated. So sometimes we think about isolation as like, oh, that's the Unabomber, right? That's the guy who lives out in the woods, hasn't seen anybody. Um, I read a book this summer on people that lived in central Idaho around uh, nobody and just the uh, crazy nature and, and his clear that when we are isolated, there is a sense or when we're physically isolated, there's a sense of losing our mind. But I think that we can begin to really misunderstand what isolation and what connectedness means, because we can take and we can begin to believe that it's just proximity to people. But the way by which God operates in terms of us having connection to Him and connection to other people is much, much deeper. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, there's this word that he uses to connect the idea of the fellowship or koinonia or that we have with God being equivalent to the quantania or the fellowship that we have with other people. And he's using these same words to be able to say, hey, there's a vertical relationship that we have this quantania with, this connection with, and also we have this horizontal relationship. And those are using the same ideas that our vertical relationship with God, where we begin to say in a a really positive way that you know all of me, that, that there's nothing hidden from you, God, that you know my inmost thoughts, that you know the motivations of my heart. This, this same idea that we begin to apply towards the community that we we're supposed to live in. And this is profound because it is more than just the proximity of people. It's the proximity of our souls to people. And this is huge. It's not just our bodies that are connected, but it is our souls that are connected. And this is what Christian community looks like. This is what is profoundly made in the image of God. Now, when we think about this, Here's how we go back, and it says in this, when he's talking about in Genesis 1, verse 26, how He created the image of who we are. It says this, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness." Now, one of the things that we typically see ourselves is an individual, and we were made by an individual, as an individual. but I want you to get that the very core of your identity is connected, like in our image this idea of God being the, the Trinity, and I'm not gonna get into the nuances of the Trinity in this, but as we begin to think about the Trinity being this, this community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and as they begin to operate in some sort of relationship to each other, this is out of this likeness that we were created. Now, we have a soul, and, and that is this connection between earth and, and heaven, right? Right? but there's a sense of us being able to say, God is using the plural first person pronoun to be able to help us to understand how we're to identify ourselves and how we're to identify us as made in his likeness, being something that is not just individual, but people in community. And so this is this, is this core idea that you are made to be in community and not just to be in proximity, That you are known, made to be in this depth of community. So when we think about the gospel, there's this idea that we are fully known and fully loved, that there is nothing that's keeping us from other people, that there's not a veil between us. There's not any barriers between us. And the way by which this works together is that fully loved allows us to freely be fully known. And to be able to say, hey, if I'm fully loved, then I can be fully known. And oftentimes when we disbelieve that we are fully loved, it keeps us from being able to be fully known, that we keep barriers in our souls to keep, in, to keep us from ultimately uh, pressing into this. And this is what is key, is we begin to think as people who've been given the gospel, that Jesus came and gave to us his unconditional love, dis- demonstrated on the cross his ability to say, I put you first. I sacrifice for you. It is for you that I give my life. And as we begin to think about that vertical relationship now begins to inform our horizontal relationships for us to be able to say that same thing as we begin to say, as a Christian community, we live as Christ live, fully loving and ultimately allowing us to be fully known. So let me press into this. That, That really... Living in community is core to our identity. I want you to get that. Living in community is core to our identity. As you begin to think who you are, this is where we have to break down some of the things that somehow erode community and erode connection. And we live in a world where our identity is not connected to other people. Our identity is radically individualized. So we think of ourselves as I am an individual and that motif and that idea has been accelerated further and further and further. So now when we begin to think about what it looks like for us to live the good life, we have a clear understanding of what that means. So let me give you an illustration of this as we think about um, really um, these three ideas as being core to our flourishing, that we would have um, this sense of purpose, that in our lives for us to live in a, uh, in a way uh, to flourish in our lives, we have to have some sort of a purpose, right? We have to have some sense of being able to say, we have to have something in this container that allows us to say, this is, this is really what I'm giving my life to. And if I don't have purpose in my life, meaninglessness begins to creep in that I don't know really what I'm aiming at. And then we have this idea of community, this idea that I wasn't meant to be isolated. And as we think about like how we are to live our life as people in community, that is core really to, to how we flourish. And then we have this idea that I can make my own decisions, right? And there's a sense of, of agency that I'm not a slave to something, that I have this sense of freedom and that sense of choice and that, be able, that idea that I can forge my future and I can begin to create something and I can begin to build something. And this is key to us being able to say, this, this is really the makeup of how we begin to live our life. But what happens is this that the functional way that we live our life is where we say, this is actually what is most important to me. This is the thing that our world tells us, this is the primary thing if you're going to pick. And so what happens is this, is that we effectively take and we fill the freedom cup, right? And we begin to have a community cup that that goes right, and then we take our purpose and we begin to say, this is really what my life, and this is really what it looks like for me to be able to say, this is the good life. And then when we begin to think about how, how we live our lives and begin to say, I want to have control. I want to make sure that I'm in charge. I want to make sure that I'm calling the shots, that at the very core of my, myself, it is me being able to say, I get to choose I get to control, I get to be the king of my life. And so what happens is in this, is we just think, okay, this is what this looks like. And our freedom bucket just begins to overflow. And we just continue to say, this is this is what is most important to, to us. And it just begins to have the sense of being able to say, my primary idea in my life is for me to have the control, for me to have this freedom, for me to be able to do this. And what we don't understand is how this affects the other two buckets. That we have a freedom bucket that's overflowing and yet our community bucket, when we begin to say, what does this look like? It's empty and our purpose bucket is empty. Now, maybe not completely empty. You might say, I have some stuff in here, but compared to our freedom bucket, This, our freedom container, this is what this looks like. And I want to say to you, this is not the way that we are to live. Where we begin to prioritize this over that. Where we begin to say, I would rather have freedom than to have community. I would rather have control than connection. I would rather have control than to be able to sacrifice for something greater than myself. But over and over around us, this is how we're taught to live. In fact, if we begin to say, you know what, I'm going to give up some of my freedom to be able to have a little bit more community. I'm going to give up some of my freedom to have a little bit more purpose. I'm going to have less freedom, but I'm going to have more community and more purpose. It's almost a bizarre way for us to think. It's almost like, like I would limit the amount of freedom in my life so that I would have more community, that I would sacrifice some of my personal freedom so that I might have more purpose. But this is really the good life. And this is what God has called us to live in. So let me give you some thoughts on uh, really on this. When we begin to uh, operate in a way by which we have connection as some of the core ideas of what it means for our identity, we begin to understand that it's not just about our personal freedom. We begin to understand that it's not just about us being able to say, I want this. So when We can be surrounded by people and be inherently alone when we begin to say, I'd rather have control than connection. I would rather to be able to trade trade connection for more freedom. And so every time we begin to say, um, I I want to curate my life, we experience a little bit of hell. I want to protect my life. I'm not going to let you in uh, to this. We experience a little bit of hell. Every time you choose control over connection, you build a wall around your soul. You you say to them, You can't come into this place, that I can't be fully known because I'm not going to let you this close to this decision. I'm not going to let you this close to what you think of me. I need to protect my image, I need to protect my autonomy. And these are these moments when we don't even recognize it, but we are experiencing a little bit of hell because it's isolating us. We're experiencing not the depth of connection we're made for, but we're experiencing something else. When you violate your core need for connection, you believe that your control is giving you the freedom you want, and ultimately it's eroding what you actually need. Now, I know those are strong statements. Let me go back to uh, really an experience about this in my own life. Uh, When Paige and I moved Um, from Texas up to the Northwest, uh, we were incredibly isolated and we were lonely. And so we decided let's build some community. And so we got um, four other couples and we began to meet on a a weekly and daily basis together. And we connected our lives together. And we decided we wanted to live and be raw and real and honest and um, take down the facades. And what we began to forge is a kind of community that was unlike anything else I've ever experienced before. It was, it was very profound in this. And as we did this, uh, we began to navigate life, not just in our interpersonal things, but really begin to bring people into every part of our life. One of the moments was when we were in 2004, moving to uh, really uh, the end of our seminary experience and trying to figure out what is next for us um, after this season. We had two opportunities one is to go to osu oregon state university in corvallis oregon and the other one is to go to washington state university and in that moment as we began to like look at those two different options they were pretty different even though it was doing kind of the same job and connecting with college students the the locations and really the the idea that was happening there was radically different at oregon state university they had a facility they had all these students, they had um, student leaders that were, uh, that were leaders on campus. It was thriving. It was an amazing thing. It was only two hours away from where we were living in the Portland area. We could be connected with our friends, um, everything around this. This is a cool, um, a cool city, it was near, near Portland. Um, all these places uh, drew us to be able to say, man, this is a great opportunity. And then their other opportunity was Washington State University where we started driving and driving and driving and we got to what we thought was the middle of nowhere and we thought we were going the wrong way and then finally Pullman shows up, right? And we drive into Pullman, it's this little town um, and there's not much there and we get to uh, really get to know the ministry and there's not much happening there. Um, The ministry kind of had peaked about 15 years earlier and there was no building. Um, There was no, there's almost not anything that was physically there. Um, like we got a sound system, we got a collection of Bible studies, um, and, uh, and a hand painted a frame sign. Um, and so like the infrastructures, we begin to say, which one, um, seems better, man, our desires were to go to the place with the, with the people that were, you know, a, a growing ministry, um, a lot of momentum. Um, facilities, all this stuff that was there that would say, hey, this is what's going to allow you to succeed. You can go in there and immediately you can be a success. This is going to be great. You're going to be close to your friends, everything, all the boxes check. Except for we believed that God was calling us to, to lean into possibly changing from just a campus ministry to be able to say, what would it look like to start a church? And as we begin to look at these two things, we began to recognize there was, there was one difference. There was one box that was different um, in terms of the thing it didn't check. And so we leaned into our friends. And as we processed this with our friends, we begin to say, don't you think OSU is the place? Don't you think this is the thing? Obviously, all of this stuff, this is the better solution. Everyone, e- even the person that was inviting us into this said, I think OSU is gonna be the better solution. But our friends said, okay, let's take this out of the emotion. Let's take this out of the th- things that you desire. What's been clear is that God has led you to be able to orient your decision around something he's called you to do. So it seems like you guys need to go to Washington State University. And in that moment, to be able to say, fully known, fully loved, you're telling me that I should deny these desires and go a different direction. So when we packed up the truck and we put in the GPS destination, it wasn't to Corvallis, Oregon, it was to Pullman, Washington. And that began the journey of us starting Resonate Church. And we look back now and we would say, of course, that's there. And the cool thing is this year, we're getting to start a church at Oregon State University. So we got to see the fulfillment of what God did in both locations, right? Because we are able to say, it's not my desires, but being able to submit my desires really to the community. And this is what we begin to see in in Ephesians, uh, Paul says, submit to one another. And this is this essence of being able to say, I'm going to let you be on the walls. I'm going to let you into my life. I'm going to let you into these places. Because here's what, here's what we begin to see, that there's a sense of us being able to forge not just community, but to forge family. This is what we talk about, family on mission. So throughout this, God's creating this kind of family closeness, right? Family on mission. It starts off. Um, in, in Genesis 12, where he sends out Abraham to be able to multiply and to bless the world. And we begin to see that articulate out and we begin to see that flesh out. And then what happens is Jesus comes along and begins to radically help us to understand how we live in community. That's not just our biological family and the closeness that we have with our biological family, but there's a spiritual aspect to this. He says this in Mark 3:33, 33, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. This is a profound thing that we begin to see Jesus break open this idea of really how we are to articulate our life together. And at our core, everyone wants to be a part of this sense of family closeness. And we want to live our lives fully known, fully loved. And if we don't let uh, people into our lives, here's my hunch, is that we're not letting God into those places either. The, The way that we interact with people and the way that we interact with God are fully connected. So oftentimes we don't think we're fully loved and so we don't want to be fully known by God or other people. At our core, this is what we want, but we don't know how to do it. And so here's my advice for us, is to be courageous, go first, Take this step of faith that you begin to believe that God loves you unconditionally. Take a step of faith that you deeply want that same thing in the relationships around us to be fully known and fully loved. And we might not do this perfectly. It might be that we're going to fail. We're imperfect in this. But for us to be able to have a vision for our lives and the community together and say, this is who we want to be. This is what we want to look like. And so as Jesus says this to us, we begin to operate out of this idea of a family closeness, loved together. And this gives us the clarity when he begins to set this and say, This is how you're to articulate. Here's what people began to live towards that family idea. It says this in in Acts. It says they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship in the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think this is key for us, for us to be able to understand this idea of devotion. And one of the key things that we're to be devoted to is the fellowship of the believers for us to be devoted to community that this is not one of those things that we say i'm a part of resonate church so i go to these things no i'm a part because i'm integrated into these relationships that we begin to have this idea of devotion to fellowship now over the last year we have developed habits and these habits were impressed upon us not things that we chose but nevertheless in our lives What can happen is that now we live in a more isolated environment and the habits of our lives are going to have to have intentionality towards this for us to change this. So for us to be able to say, and again, as it is legal to do so, and it is appropriate to do so, we begin to say, what does it look like for us to be devoted to fellowship For us to be able to say, because of the resurrection, one of the things that Jesus' followers did is they devoted themselves to each other and they devoted themselves to the connections with other believers, that they established the kind of family closeness that they were devoted to. And so as we think about the new habits, what does this look like for us? Let me give some, some points that we see in here is that they had a dailiness together, that there was a sense of not just Hey, whenever we can get together or whenever our um, sports or our events or travel outside of town, anything that you know doesn't fit into those categories, any time that's left over, we'll begin to, d- to give to this. this. This is a prioritization that they begin to see this dailyness, And for us to be able to say, how is it that there is a priority of community? That if this is what my soul needs, this is the taste of heaven. This is what it looks like for us to live into this. This is what it looks like to eat together, to be able to do normal life things together, for there to be a sense of giving to each other, generosity, hospitality, that our homes would be these places that would now be reopened to a uh, sharing community together, that we would be on mission together, That there would be a sense of purpose, that we would be able to say, it's not just the freedom container, but it's the community container. It's the purpose container. All of these things working in synergy together to say, this is the richness and fabric of our lives together. And so I want to press into this and I want us to be able to understand that when we live towards each other, this is the most tangible expression of Jesus that we could ever experience. That when we are living as believers together, we are experiencing the very love of Christ poured out from us to be able to do that in a way where we're interacting with others. And this is profound. The vision is for us to be able to live in a way where we see the way by which God has called us to live in a very tangible way. For you to live in a place where you begin to experience a transparency, an authenticity, a connectedness that you begin to allow that to, to pervade the core aspects of your life, where you begin to say, "This is I'm going to let you into a place in my life that you are fully known, where you begin to say, the way by which I make decisions, I let people in. The things that I think about myself, I let people in. That I don't curate walls and I don't keep people out of decisions. Over and over, as we begin to figure out what should we do with our lives, that we begin to say, I want you to come into my life because here's what I know, that if I take and cling to control, I'm actually building isolation. I want you to, to be vulnerable with you because I know if I try to protect the core things that I think about myself or any situation, I'm actually leading towards isolation. Will you have the courage to be able to let people be on the walls of your life? As you do, and you let people into your life, and you begin to trust them, here's what's gonna happen. You will have a deeper connection, that you won't be isolated, that you will have this rich community around you, that you will be known, that you will be seen, that the very tangible presences of God's love will be so revealed to you. It won't be perfect, there's gonna be fails. But can we begin to believe in this? Can we have faith in this? we begin to say I'll take a step and even if I'm burned this is worth giving my life to if the thing that you experience in this life is not power money but you experience a kind of community that is mind-blowing to you a kind of community that allows you to be fully known fully loved a place where you feel deep amounts of comfort and you experience Jesus like ever before that is worth giving your life to that is worth not choosing the job for that's worth not going to a cooler town for that is worth everything in your life to be able to say find what god has created in his church find this build this be a part of forging this thing out of your very core desires this is what god has called us to do and what i love is this is when people find this it is revolutionary to their life over and over Over the last thousand stories of people who've decided to get baptized, we see a consistent theme. People that begin to lean into a community, get invited into a community, and they discover something. And and it looks a lot like this. Someone saying, I can't believe I've found this kind of community. I walked in and I found a group of people that loved me just for who I am, that accepted me just for who I am. I found a group of people that wanted to go deeper. I found a group of people that wanted to be able to understand each other at a soul level. And this is because God has created you this way. So let us not exert control at the cost of connection. Let us be people that go and pursue the very core of our identity in terms of our connectedness. Let's be a family on Mission Resonate. Let me pray for us. God, will you take and you show us what family closeness looks like? Lord, I pray that this week we would begin to experience a vulnerability, Lord, that we would let people in, the Lord, that we would take the step towards people. Lord, across our entire network of churches, Lord, that there would be people that begin to take steps towards each other, and we begin to experience and reestablish the kind of community that our heart longs for. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. I hey, love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.